0: Guys, stop this is doing Levetta. that stop doing that <laughs> and this is miriam
1: and this is notorious women podcast a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women <laughs> i just hit yes my it is on the microphone
0: lavetta <laughs> is learning how to use a microphone <laughs> Hmm. thought that was an apt Be- thing to learn at the beginning of season three <laughs> yes
1: Yes, it is season three and I just want to say Miriam listen your setup is constant and it's the same my setup keeps changing because I am trying to have a hot girl summer okay and I keep moving around (laughs)
0: like I can't compete with you so at least I can have some stability on my side no Girl. I'm saying that because someone's I'm like a world like, traveler, and someone's it. still here.
1: No, it's not even world traveling. I wish it was exciting. I missed Essence Fest this week uh, I in know. the summer, but I saw it on TV. I saw my Where girl make the stallion. It's in New Orleans.
0: Okay, New oh, Orleans,
1: yeah. Yeah. baby. I mean, have you been to New Orleans?
0: Listen, I've never been to New Orleans, um, and my husband has been but like with work. <laughs> and so he's like I hate New Orleans. And same? I was like maybe you went like incorrectly. Like you know like like you we, we should maybe you, try again. And I think you would like it. It is
1: one of the and, and those for those listeners of ours that are not American who are not in the states. New Orleans is like exotic to Americans. Like it is so yeah, yeah. fabulous. Like it is it is haunted. I, I will tell you that uh, because of the sea level. Oh, that's cool. All of the the, the graves are like above uh, ground, and they have like yeah. Uh, and you definitely feel it when you're there. But the food, and I'm a Southern Black woman, and I mean Southerners are known for our food, right? But even among yeah. Southern cuisine, the food in New Orleans, I don't know if they put in crack in it. I don't know if it's meth.
0: I don't know. Uh, if it's hair <laughs> wrong <laughs> but they I are don't care. I'm not, I'm not everything. i'm a- i'm not i will not ask questions
1: <laughs> the food in new orleans even like the like touristy places the food is amazing like really? not to mention Listen, if you are you went, if like, you were lucky work enough. i went to i went to essence fest a years ago and that was my first time going out i always wanted to go and um i and I'm like, New Orleans. But it's like I knew it was haunted and you know, it's like the the whole voodoo stuff and all of that. And I went to uh the Marie Laveau like museum. I didn't touch anything in there because I I am a scaredy cat and I believe that uh um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if ghosts or spirits exist, but I just don't want to test it. Uh so I didn't touch anything. I don't want to mess with heads. them if
0: they do exist. Yeah. I'm with I'm you. I'm not messing with them. Yeah, the voodoo. no, I would not I'm do not. that. Yeah. But I very, stayed in the French quarter
1: and I'm a nerd, so yes. I took like a walking tour of the area. It is so beautiful. Like it is so it was just amazing. So I highly, highly recommend anyone Listen, going to New I, Orleans or New Orleans,
0: New Orleans. Do you do you remember insane. the movie? You know the the movie Girls Trip? Of That's course. The most I know about New Orleans. <laughs> okay. It's but it good is movie. that fun.
1: I will say that it is that fun. Like, having gone there before the movie came out, I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad they made this movie because it is that fun. And if you're a drinker, I'm not a drinker, but if you're a drinker, you're going to get your life because there's a lot of things going on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm like a little bit of a drinker, like, not a lot of it. Like, I'm going to have a cocktail and then I'm going to be on the floor and I'm going to be like, that was a good night. And that's the end of it. Well,
1: but I'm a foodie. No, I'm just greedy. I'm not a foodie. I'm just greedy. Shrimp and grits. You can be a foodie and be greedy. Delicious. I, I'm telling you, you got to, that's all I'm going to say. I think we should get started, but New Orleans, Louisiana, and the United States of America, go if you can. If you ever get a chance, go.
0: It's amazing. When Notorious Woman goes on tour to visit all of our cities, we will go to New
1: Orleans. Yes. Yes. Yes, especially That's since in our season three. Uh, did you realize? Okay,
0: <laughs> the okay. Season
1: two, last episode. No, I
0: didn't. <laughs> uh-uh.
1: Nope. <laughs> We've only been doing this, like, how many? How long?
0: You know? Let's not think about that, not- <laughs> You know what? Here's the thing. It's like time, time flies when I'm talking to you. And it flew Aww. way past my brain at the end of season two. And so... Aww. but I because like I'm kind of like how do we do that we did though oh
1: we did we did that's so sweet I, I accept that I received that thank you so much my dear okay uh, on You're that welcome. note let's that's get it. started Oh, thank you um I believe I am first uh this week and Okey-doke. I have a doozy uh so those for those of you who okay. are visiting us or hearing us for the first time uh The way it's set up is that it's Notorious Women podcast. Again, it's a comedy podcast. So we Uh make jokes uh off off of stuff that uh, may not be so funny, like death and murder.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. And also... It's not not tasteful. No.
1: It's not. Some of these women are uh, tripping. uh, And we call them out on it. We are not shy. Uh, We are feminist. We are Mm -hmm. proud feminist and womanist. But, uh, sometimes bitches be yes. bitching and we're going to call them out on it. So, uh, you know. <laughs> but each week yeah. <laughs> the format <laughs> is that we each, uh, research a notorious woman and she could be notorious because she's heroic, uh, or she could be, uh, notorious because mm-hmm. she was horrific. Uh, and we each research our separate, uh, woman and we tell each other about it each week. We don't know what each person's going to cover. So it's a bit of a nope. surprise. Uh, uh-huh. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad, but it's always funny.
0: Sometimes, like, <laughs> I need a minute to get oh, yeah, off the I floor like the... and then continue. Girl, yeah. you just like to talk about. Oh, I, I, I like stab, murder. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I mean, okay.
1: Even yeah, that's though, fine. listen, if you know anything ab- really about women, women are far better at crime and murder than men are. <laughs> we got a lot of rage. <laughs> we got a lot of rage. Yeah. And we're, sometimes we're really we direct it off. to the wrong people. And sometimes motherfuckers have it coming. I'm just saying. I'm yeah. just saying. Uh, but <laughs> this week, <laughs> I am not. Uh, covering a murderess i am actually covering so my notorious woman this week is martha washington yep yep shut up
0: okay
1: that's right baby i know you've been waiting for it
0: Mm, (laughs) i have i have Mm.
1: let's get into it okay martha washington (laughs) aka the first first lady Of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, uh, before I get started, uh, some of my um, uh, sources are from uh, MountVernon.org website. Uh, A video on uh, on YouTube from American Corner is the name of the account. And also another video, uh, research video, uh, it's called George Washington's Mount Vernon. So, uh, okay. among other many other sources, but those are some of the sources. For, Listen, uh, you keep
0: saying today. Mount Vernon, and okay, all, all I want to do is sing Hamilton. I know, I know. In New oh, York, you're love this. that was not the note. Okay, <laughs> let's go.
1: Let's. Go. You're gonna love this. Okay, so Martha Washington was born Martha Dandridge on June second, seventeen thirty one. On her parents' on. Uh, tobacco plantation in Chestnut Grove in Newcount County, in, and then it was the colony of Virginia, but we'll say Virginia. So uh, okay. she was the right. oldest daughter of eight children of John Dandridge, a Virginia planner and politician who immigrated from England, and Francis Jones. So okay. um, 1731. Wow. Okay. It's
0: a long, long now, time ago.
1: Yeah. As the oldest of eight uh, children, including one sister that was about 25 years her junior. So it's a big age gap. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Martha was... When she you start having maternal... babies at
0: 14, I guess that's what happens. Basically. I'm making especially... that up. I have no idea, but
1: uh, I mean, probably yeah, not wrong.
0: Yeah. You're
1: probably yeah. close to it. Now, as the oldest of eight, she she played a maternal and domestic role, uh, beginning you know with her younger siblings. Uh, Now, though her parents were her family, they were considered upper class. They were not moneyed upper class. So
0: okay,
1: okay. It kind of reminds me of like you know how um, you know how in one of my favorite Pride and Prejudice, the Bennets, they have stuff, but they're not. The Bingleys, or um, yeah,
0: they're not. She's not oh Darcy or Bingley, no, right? Five five thousand a year. Okay, yes,
1: yeah, five thousand. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so it kind of that's sort of what I got from the research that her family. So they were considered like, you know, probably middle to I would say upper class, like as far as like reputation, but they didn't have a lot of money. The right. p- the plantation was small. It wasn't like a vast kind of thing. So it was very important as we know cuz <laughs> we know everything mm. there is about uh pride and prejudice. Um mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. was very important though for the oldest daughter to marry well cuz that sets yes. the precedent for the other younger women as well. Yes. So um and so before we get to her first marriage, uh yeah, I said first, but
0: Oh. So snap. she was What? Okay. Yeah. Go
1: on. Yeah. So even though they didn't have a lot of money, uh she was brought up like a woman of her station would be brought up. So like right. upper class women back then, girls did not have formal education. So No, they learned
0: like piano and how to piano forte. Yes. <laughs> yes, the pianoforte.
1: I mean you I mean we're joking, but it's true. So basically she learned how to read and her reading consisted of reading the Bible for an hour each day. Mm-hmm. Uh And the rest of her education comprised of learning how to sew, knit, learning how to ride a horse, instructions in music, dancing, and probably the most important of them all, learning how to run a household of slaves.
0: Oh, Ah. yes.
1: And servants.
0: But I thought we loved her. What? Go on. Mm.
1: Now, side Mm -hmm. note, she Mm. may have had also had an illegitimate half-sister born into slavery, a woman by the name of Ann Dandridge, uh coston and an illegitimate white half brother named ralph dandridge so apparently daddy was a bit of a rolling stone
0: Mm, mm -hmm. daddy didn't know where the zipper on his
1: pants was okay i mean it was good to be a white man back here back then with any kind of property so good um now again because she was the oldest daughter of a you know upper class but not wealthy planter uh planter it was important for her to aim for the stars when uh, uh coming up with a marriage match so in 1750 at the age of 18 just 18 oh, she God. married the son of a wealthy of a wealthy planter by the name okay. of Daniel Park Custis who was also two decades her senior
0: oh wow oh, so he no. was in his 30s well, uh- Thirty-eight? Was, no. Yeah,
1: he was about no. 30. He was almost two decades. He was about 35, 36. Mm,
0: yeah. Mm, mm, I remember being 18. No, thank you. 30s. Oh, sorry. Yes. Go on. But she married well. So after
1: they were married, she moved with her husband to his residence, which was called White House Plantation. That feels on right. On the Pamunkey River. So. Okay. Over the next seven years, they had four children, but only two, uh, John and Martha, uh, would survive into childhood. So they had four children, but only two would survive uh, uh, after uh, past the point of being toddlers. Now, the match, by all accounts, was a successful one because not only did they have four children, but again, her husband was one of the wealthiest men in the Virginia colony as well okay. as one of the largest slave owners only nearly owning nearly 300 slaves so about 285 wow. 290 people he owned
0: what a successful person i have well, so many other things i want to say right now yeah
1: well this is when we talk about reparations this is what we're talking about because yes. back then most of the your your wealth was in your how much land you had but also how many slaves you owned
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Because somebody needed to till the soil for free. Um, now, so everything was looking up for Martha, basically, but uh, at least until she hit about 26. And at that time, John suddenly died oh, in shit. 1757. Yeah. And I mean, that's also what happens when you marry an older man. But I mean, he was still uh, I mean, early he was to mid-40s. Yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> That's so young, you know. but that's why he suddenly died and he didn't have a will. And oh, because shit. of that, she received one third of his estate outright, and the remaining two thirds were granted to their two young children. That was to be adulted out once they reached adulthood and or married. Okay. So part of her inheritance is that she inherited 17,000 acres of land. And those slaves, hundreds of slaves.
0: Oh, she must have loved that. Probably did. Uh Yeah. Mm, Let's find out.
1: Okay. So now because of of the nature of his will, and this will come back later in the story, but like it was sort of kind of complicated and also running um, 17,000 acres of land uh, as well as uh, 300 people. Uh, as well as other like indentured servants, all oh, kinds man. of things. Running, running. They just uh, loved
0: uh, controlling humans. Okay.
1: Yeah, but it <laughs> yeah. was it was a lot to take on. But she, um, she apparently loved the this new freedom. She, again, she's 26, so she's very young, and she's suddenly wealthy. So again, this is a woman that came from a modestly wealthy family who were aspirational in in attaining wealth, and right. that's exactly what happened. She married well and then the guy died and then she had all the money, right? So
0: it's like, it's like the scene in Queen Charlotte. Yep. I'm like, oh no, he's dead. Ah." Oh my God, I did it. I'm wealthy. I'm titled. Yes.
1: Exactly. So she, so. After, um, he had died and, you know, they'd gone through all the, the funeral services. She wrote to his lawyers in England. Um, and she directed them to direct all business issues to be sent directly to her. Basically, I'm okay. in charge, bitches. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, now because she's still only 26, I'm sure the social pressure and also she's still a young woman. Um, she, uh, she had a lot of suitors all of a sudden. Uh, yeah. and maybe yeah. again, socially, the pressure was on for her to remarry because again, she's still a, um, a well healed, she's wealthy also, but also like she has a good reputation. She's still young. So I would imagine. In a patriarchal society, the pressure, you know, has she been 10 years older, 36, maybe not so much, but 26, right. the pressure to remarry no, tick, probably was on. TikTok, yes. Yeah. So um, now, also, the fact that she was now one of the wealthiest women in the 13 colonies would also attract a lot of suitors,
0: which Do you ended- think that would have an effect on their uh, opinion of her? Hmm. <laughs> I wonder. Huh. That's it. so we'll never know we'll never know
1: she was suddenly okay. bombarded with a lot of suitors a lot of young bachelors coming to come on come a call uh and listen
0: and they thought w- she was so pretty and also so smart okay go on
1: yeah and I mean one of those who came a calling was as I'm sure you've guessed by now a young soldier by the name of George Washington no now just just
0: kidding I didn't
1: now the two <laughs> had a brief courtship and married on January 6th. 1759 so about Gen- two years january 6th huh <laughs> january <laughs>
0: okay. 6th oh well, interesting. there
1: you go okay um and they uh they they got married at the white house plantation where they also honeymooned after which they moved to his mount vernon estate got now, it now this was again another great match for martha by all accounts but it was even better for george because you see George Washington was the eldest of his father's second marriage, not his oh. fir- his father's first marriage. So oh. he was not his father's oldest son. Right. So when George's father passed, George only, only inherited 10 people, 10 slaves. That's his, it? Only, only ten, 10
0: human beings? Okay. Yep.
1: okay. Only... Now, his eldest brother, Lawrence, inherited the father's, the majority of the father's estate. Um, And it was called Little Hunting Creek, which he then renamed Mount Vernon. Okay. so Little Hunting Creek was the original name. But when Lawrence died suddenly in 1752, George leased Mount Vernon from Lawrence's widow, Anne, but then inherited outright after her death in 1761. Okay. So two years after he and Martha married. So when he and Martha married, they went to Mount Vernon, which makes sense because it's like, even though he's using um, um uh, her first husband's wealth, because basically, don't forget, Daniel Park Custis, this is his wealth. The slave. Right, uh, right. This is, and forgive the dogs. They are barking. They are going I crazy. I can hear them. I'm Where's so sorry.
0: That's okay. Um, I love dogs.
1: I know. Um, they, it's probably just an Amazon package being delivered, oh, or because yes. uh, they have to let him know not to mess with this house, right? But anyway, Listen, so you're protected. That's all I need to know. I am. Excellent. I am. Yes. Um. So, so again, so this all this wealth that Martha has is really Daniel's wealth, really. And I
0: mean, nobody has wealth. They did nothing. They did nothing. They just right. existed. Both of them just. Yeah. Call on a fact so, a fact.
1: Okay. Call on a fact to fact. So again, this was a marriage up for George. This was a great match yeah. financially, but again, they, they got along. So it wasn't like it. And I also think maybe Martha having come from a family that was not, um, uh, as wealthy as well, she could kind of relate to George in that way. And she's yeah. like, well, I have money. So if this is a love match, this is great. Right. Which it did seem to be a love match. Okay. Um, so, so, after they got married, again, on January 6, 1759, they went to Mount Vernon estate after the honeymoon at the White House, which was Daniel Custis' uh, estate. And oh. about two years after they started living at Mount Vernon, the Mount Vernon came completely into George's uh, control. But also, George was able to use Martha's considerable wealth and her 300 uh, slaves mm-hmm. uh, to expand the wealth of at their home in mount vernon and turn it into and and turn it, it turn it into a profitable estate
0: you know so, what if people are wondering what people are complaining about generational wealth and what it is yes. i think you've summed it up pretty nicely yes. they've done nothing and they are rich yes. also they own people which is a side note but i've noted it okay go yes. on
1: now, as such, the wealth was mostly from slaves, land, and other financial assets. Uh, it made Martha and George's life very comfortable. Um, okay. Later, it would make the transfer of assets when they would pass on a little bit more complicated. Because, again, with da- with Daniel, her first husband's wealth, right. he rightfully so, uh, you know, it's like we're all getting rich off of slaves. But, like, I want to make sure that that money stays within the family and then his family, obviously, uh, which her two their two children together is part of that family. So Yeah. Um fair. now they had Martha and George did not have any children together, which I did not know. I um, did not
0: know that. Okay. I didn't either.
1: But they raised her two surviving children, John and Patsy, like their own. Okay. Um and then in uh but unfortunately in seventeen seventy three, Patsy died when she was about seventeen. uh oh. she had an epileptic uh, seizure. <gasps> So, which was probably definitely deadly back then. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, the Washingtons I mean,
0: cut paper cuts were deadly back then. Oh uh, yeah. I
1: mean, even for rich people. So, yeah. uh, George, so Martha and George raised her children like their own after she passed. Uh, they always hoped for more children together, but they were unable to conceive. Okay.
0: Um,
1: now from nineteen fifty from nineteen from seventeen fifty nine to seventeen seventy five. The Martha and George lived at Mount Vernon where they tended to their plantation. Um, yep. Martha ran the household and regularly entertained guests. She entertained almost daily having visitors for dinner or for longer stays. Basically, the the family became more prominent in the political and social life of Virginia. Yes, um, I know and that. then
0: because
1: Hamilton of course, go on because cause yes. Hamilton uh, and of course George was rising through the ranks and then now buttressed with his wife's wealth you know he can yeah. really focus on what Ooh. he liked and what he was good at so wait a minute um, so you're
0: saying that his wealth helped him gain political power is that I, what you said I'm
1: saying that his wealth allowed him to buy really really expensive boots with gold mm. laces that he
0: could pull Ooh. himself up by
1: oh yes yes
0: yes yes bootstraps Bootstraps. favorite word okay yes so uh
1: meanwhile many of the slaves didn't even have shoes but that's a that's a whole nother thing
0: um why are we focusing on that and again i'm not saying
1: they're slaves but in throughout history so
0: what have you yo i Uh, cannot imagine Uh, (laughs) listen if their slaves were miraculously treated amazingly we would know right i'm gonna get to that i'm gonna get to that so okay okay
1: okay um so as we all know, uh, George uh, in 1775, George Washington became the commander in chief of the Continental Army, a.k.a. the rebels fighting yeah. against the British. Yeah. Um, now, Martha strongly supported George's role in the Patriot movement and his work to advance his be- and she worked to advance his beliefs in the cause. Uh, okay. So when he was called away in 1775, she stayed at Mount Vernon overseeing the construction of new wings. Of- so she basically held down the force. She held her man down. Oh, okay. Um and she, along with her brother-in-law, you know, they kind of helped um, just build up Mount Vernon uh, and concentrate on the home. They, they basically kept things at the home front well tended to. Um, and this, the revolution, when he went away in 1775, that was the first time in their marriage that they were apart for an extended period of time. Because, again, by all accounts, it was a love match.
0: Right. Um, okay.
1: But in the fall of 1775, Martha traveled to Massachusetts to meet with George. On her journey north, she experienced her newfound celebrity status for the first time as the Mm -hmm. wife of a famed general. Ah, yes. Um, She eventually joined him in Cambridge from where he and the other Continental Army officers were operating. While staying in Cambridge, she served as a hostess for guests of the officers. She would also sew clothes for the soldiers, uh, encouraged other officers' wives to do so, leading to the creation of a sewing circle that contributed to the war effort. Okay. She accompanied him when operations were uh, relegated to uh, New York, but she also went with him to Philadelphia. As British soldiers uh, came closer each spring, she would return to Mount Vernon when she was able to and take, you know, and, and just keep uh, the household intact, and just check on things. She basically was a the kind of wife. Again, I think it was a love match. They were well suited, and right. they genuinely had true affection for each other.
0: Um, okay. Now, okay.
1: During uh, now, there is some tragedy because in seventeen eighty one, their son John was serving as a civilian aide to his father during the siege of Yorktown, and he eventually died of camp fever.
0: That is not
1: in the musical Hamilton. I'm just
0: pointing that out.
1: So at this point, by 1781, all of their children, all of her children had died. Do you mean Um,
0: 1781? Sorry. Sorry. I'm back on track. Here I am. Um, Um, That's very sad. (laughs) Sorry. And then
1: after John's death, uh, Martha and George took in uh, two of his youngest of his four children and raised them as their own. Uh, after the war against the British was won, the, the Washingtons then returned back to Mount Vernon, uh, in 1783 to focus on life once again. Now, Martha was in her fifties at this time. So she okay. believed like public service was over. And by all accounts, she spent about a third of the wartime in camp on the front lines near the yeah, front lines. Yeah. Okay. So she really contributed to keeping the morale up because we know the America, you know, the new Americans won against the British, but people didn't know that that was going to happen at the time so right she nothing
0: nothing is inevitable truly exactly uh but now they're back at Mount Vernon
1: in 1783 so she's like okay we're back together we're gonna go back to throwing parties and being fabulous and being rich white people (laughs) it's the dream (laughs) yeah and so she so that the light the, the house became basically uh, like lively again, they were throwing parties, you know, it's going back, things are getting back to normal. Basically they were living a charmed existence. Right. Um, it was only, uh, and so that went on for about four years when, um, he, when George was asked to participate in the con, the, uh, constitutional convention in 1787, uh, which was great. But again, they're like, Things are great. And then in 1789, they elected him to be the first president of the United States. So after the war though, and after going through all of that, Martha's like, I don't know about all that. She was like, "Mm." Can you
0: just be like someone's secretary or something? I know. President? That's like a lot. It's like a We're
1: we're in our fifties. It's the 1780s. It's a lot of dirt
0: basically 97 years old right now okay yeah yeah
1: Yeah. uh so at first she wasn't really psyched about him becoming president um and she she didn't immediately join him uh in the then capital of new york city uh at first and then eventually she joined him in may of 1789 um because but along that journey is when she realized that um Again, her presence is very important to the cause, right? This these new Americas, yeah. um, and it was also during this journey that she gave her only public speech as first lady, and she oh. thanked everyone, yeah, that came to see her. She arrived. Uh, she arrived on the presidential barge, escorted by George, and immediately established the president's wife as a public figure. Interesting. So she's okay. the one that really set the precedent for this yeah. being the first one um after arriving at the capitol uh she became she was crowned the first lady of the united states aka the first lady though at the time the term um that they referred to her as lady washington
0: well because they're it's, still kind of british in their heart yeah
1: exactly I and see they're still that. trying to like yeah um now the first presidential residence was on cherry street followed by a house on broadway the Shut up, I know the
0: streets okay <laughs>
1: I know right and then then the capital was moved to Philadelphia to seven in 1790 right and then um, yeah so Martha preferred Philadelphia over New York uh, because she felt like she had a greater social life I know well back then too
0: (laughs) sorry Philadelphians
1: okay (laughs) well she felt like the social life in Philadelphia was closer to what she experienced in Mount Vernon okay uh so early in her husband's uh presidency she had little opportunity to go out and that's probably why she wasn't able to go out uh in new york and but when, once they got to philadelphia they loosened themselves up and maybe because he had been president for a couple years yeah um and so they started entertaining a lot more and just going out personally now while serving as First Lady, Martha became close to Polly Lear, the wife of her, of George's secretary, uh, Tobias Lear. She also okay. um, socialized with Lucy Flucker Knox, wife of the war secretary, Henry Knox, and of course,
0: okay. Abigail
1: Adams, who would become <gasps> yes. the second First Lady. Yes,
0: yes, indeed.
1: Now, as the first First Lady, many of her practices in the White House became traditions for future First Ladies, including opening... Op- the opening of the white house to the public on new year's day, a oh, right. practice that would continue until the Hoover administration. Uh, she hosted many about
0: that Yeah, in high she... school. Okay. In high school. She
1: hosted many affairs of state at New York city and Philadelphia. Um, and she took the responsibility of overall, she just took the responsibility of being the first lady very seriously. So yeah. she would always return official calls every day. Uh, that a, a woman would call and leave her card at the presidential home. Martha would always respond within three days.
0: Wow. So, yeah. I don't text back that easily. Okay. Know, right. So she basically settled into the
1: role and became a model first, first lady, mm. um, but then when she found out that they wanted him to run a second term, she was, she protested. She was like, I want to yeah. get back to living rich and fabulous in Virginia. What Listen, are you doing, man? What are you
0: doing? <laughs> uh, Do you realize the levels of power we already have? Let's go home.
1: Yeah. We're so, rich white
0: people who own other people. Yeah. Darling, it's perfect.
1: I don't have to work for a living, um, so. But when he was reelected in 1793, she reluctantly accepted that she would have to be uh, first lady for four more years. But, okay. But so we're into the second term of George right. Washington's term, and Martha uh, Washington's second term as first lady. So about three years into the second term, Martha and her husband were about to embark on a task that I think puts a little bit of stain. On an otherwise pristine reputation, because again, publicly, these are like goals, right? Like
0: yeah, couples kinda. goals, like,
1: yeah. you know, again, they're wealthy. They seem to be, she seems, uh, by all accounts, she was a gracious host. Uh, okay. people were surprised at how, uh, gracious and, uh, welcoming she was in public. Uh, so, you know, uh, they are, uh, have a pristine reputation
0: but uh-huh okay so yeah and uh, about
1: 1796 one of their slaves a young woman by the name of ona judge aka oni judge oni. Uh, okay. who was with them in Philadelphia escaped and fled to New Hampshire go girl now, go run oni judge was born at Mount Vernon um, and even though oni's Oni's father was white. He was a man by a sailor by the name of Andrew Judge, but her mother was, her mother Betty was enslaved. And actually, Betty was enslaved. um, And the reason why this is, and this is why people are like, oh, biracial, black, da da da. It's slavery time. This is why we have a one drop rule too in America. (laughs) They had a rule that they called, um, it was a rule that mandated basically uh, the children of slave mothers would inherit the legal status of the mother.
0: And of course, was, they had that rule, Lavetta. Of course, yeah. they did.
1: And this is this is very convenient when you want to institutionalize the rape of your female slaves and mm-hmm. prosper at the same time, because not only yeah. do you get to rape a woman, but you also get to then own her offspring and continue to build your workforce. Yeah. But I
0: digress. Okay. Do you have an opinion about that? I digress. Like, yeah. But okay. there was actually a
1: law on the books right
0: was it called the one drop rule is that no (laughs) because that i think we should call it that
1: (laughs) that's the unofficial that's why when people who are not from the united states they don't understand they're like
0: what if you're
1: biracial uh, in the united states this is a way to basically the white the way white supremacy works in the united states is there's white people and then there's the rest of us
0: i mean it's really true like if you have a drop of anything else I wouldn't yeah. vote Republican. I'm just saying, like, they don't like you, you know. Yeah. Okay.
1: Now, and at this time, white was even more restrictive. It was basically a WASP, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Oh.
0: Well, so. we have a lot more people who are considered white now than back yeah. then. Like now, if you're Italian, if you're Jewish, if you're Irish, you're just white and you yeah. prosper under white supremacy to a degree, right? Different degrees, but like. And the but Irish then, thing always, the
1: Irish thing always confused me, but it, that's I a know. Catholic thing because I'm like, Irish people yeah. are literally white, like pale, yeah. <laughs> like, you can't, like, yeah. but it's the English Irish conflict. So exactly. that's where that comes into place. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so now Betty Oni's uh, mother was also part of the group, the original group of enslaved people owned by Martha's first husband, Daniel oh. Park Custis. Okay. So that's how Betty came to live at Mount Vernon and then while she was there she and Andrew Judge who was a free white man he wasn't even an indentured servant he was a sailor from England Uh reproduced this child and because of that law Oni was then in bondage and by all accounts Oni was very light skinned and she had freckles Uh, so uh, again she was enslaved so Oni now even though, again, she was born there at Mount Vernon, she was brought into the big house, as we would say, likely as a playmate to Martha's granddaughter, Nellie Custis,
0: oh. um,
1: when she was about—I think they said she was about ten or eleven.
0: Now, that's how she... to make friends: purchase them. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. She eventually became the personal
1: attendant or body servant to Martha herself. Um, and in an interview with Oni uh, in 1846, she said that she had received no education under the Washingtons, nor religious instruction.
0: Oh, so, OK. That. So that yeah.
1: the whole thing like they treat their slaves like family. They're part Shut of the, the family. Fuck.
0: Yeah. Mm. Now,
1: Mm-mm. so Mm-mm. because she was personal, um, a personal maid to Martha when they went to, you know, New York and, and Philadelphia, Oni came with them. And Oni, along with yeah. a few, I, I believe they said it was about seven or eight other enslaved people that came with her uh, from Mount Vernon. For the first time, they encountered free black people. Ah. So they were like, oh, just because you're black doesn't mean you're enslaved. Um, And also, like the Washingtons, they began to experience a little bit more personal freedom and being able to go out into the city, uh, spend time with other people because... There's things to do in the city versus being right. in a rural, you know, setting like in Virginia. So, uh, but she got to taste freedom, like actual freedom. Um, and so it was great at first. And then, um, and so only like a lot of the other enslaved people were like, okay, this is possible, right? You see it, right. you can be yeah, it, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, but what they didn't know is that Martha and George had, had, um, they had basically come up with a scheme to skirt the law in Pennsylvania. So in 17, so basically, so they were in uh, Pennsylvania in 17, uh, what is it? 1793, 90, 96. Right. So right. In, in 1780, Pennsylvania passed a gradual abolition act that granted freedom to any personal slave brought into the state and who, and who lived there for more than six months. Uh basically after if you live there for more than six months you could free yourself right go so
0: philadelphia get it okay so
1: martha and george devise a a scheme that would rotate out the slaves between philly and mount
0: vernon listen i don't want to call the our first president a motherfucker but i just did so it's too late okay so
1: it so that was bad enough, And they figured since they didn't teach them how to read because also it was illegal to teach a, uh, an enslaved person how to read. Mm-hmm. Um they but it's like they're talking to people. So obviously the people in Philadelphia, along with the white people who are like, slavery sucks, abolitionists are gonna tell them yeah. about the law. Um, Martha and George, these people are not dumb anyway. So, yeah. um, so according to that, so that was bad enough, but she's thinking, okay, we're here now, right? But then when Oni heard that Martha intended to gift her to her granddaughter as a wedding gift. The fuck uh, go on. Which would mean that she'd be forced to move further down south than even Virginia. Right. Oni escaped with the help of uh with the help of Philadelphia's free black community. So she escaped nice. to New Hampshire. Okay. Now one source says says that, one source, which <laughs> said that. Quote, despite Martha's insistence to her husband that Judge should be returned and again should be uh, Washington's slave, the president did not attempt to pursue Judge. End quote. Uh, I'm calling poppycock on that. Uh, Uh, (laughs) Because it is now we now know that that was not true. According to only Judge historians, after Washington's second tenure ended in 1797, they began to actively pursue uh, Oni oh, to bring her back home.
0: W- were they bored? Is that because he retired, so he had nothing no, else because to
1: do? He's president. He has to be like seem like a good guy as a PR move, oh, right? Okay. okay. So because in seven in September of seventeen ninety seven, so this is about a year after. Uh, yeah, about a year after. Uh, within a year, uh, they. Washington, George wrote to Oliver Walcott Jr., the secretary of the treasury, about having, uh, about having Oni captured and returned by ship. But when Joseph Jesus. Whipple, Portsmouth yeah. collector of customs in New Hampshire, uh, uh-huh. interviewed her and he was like, cause they were abolitionists in New Hampshire. Right. He was like, well, okay. she doesn't want to go back, so I'm not going to force her. And then Whipple responded back to, uh, uh, George's representatives that any news of an abduction that would cause a riot on the docks by supporters of abolition. if yep. They tried to kidnap
0: her. Got to keep the peace, man. Don't know what to tell you.
1: Yeah. But he did say, Whipple said, well, um, if you, that, that he had talked to Oni and Oni said that if they agreed to free her upon their death, because she's figured they old, right. That's coming soon. Right. That yeah. she would return of her own free will so george okay. wrote back, quote <clears throat> i regret that the attempt you made to restore the girl only judge as she's called herself while with us and who without the least provocation absconded from her mistress should mm. have been attended with so little success to enter into such a compromise with her as she suggested to you is totally inadmissible He goes on to say, "It would neither be politic or just, or just to reward unfaithfulness with a premature preference of freedom, and thereby discontent beforehand the hand the minds of all of her fellow servants who, by their own steady attachments, are far more deserving than herself of favor." End quote. So, basically, this Uppity Negress Uh has some nerve, and if we're going (laughs) to grant anybody freedom, it'd be the people who like being slaves. At least we think they like Mm. being slaves.
0: Yeah, they love it here. Everyone loves it here. What are you talking about? So, of course... Wow, uh, so she's the traitor. Cool,
1: cool. She's the traitor.
0: She's she's ungrateful.
1: So, according to Oni, Oni was like, say less, motherfuckers. Say less. (laughs) So they dropped the matter for another two years. Cause again, he has okay. to publicly appear to be like a noble person, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, especially in the North, because in the South, they're like, yeah, slaves. In, in the North, they're like, mm, to own mm. another person if we're religious. Is that really a thing? I don't know if that's really, like, maybe not.
0: Yeah. But, um, wait, is he still president two years later? No, no, no.
1: no. So he his his term ended in uh, 1797 because she ran away in 96. So in 97 they began actively pursuing her. Right. And so he he wrote to yeah exactly. Now, so she was like, say less, motherfuckers. But two years later, they were still trying to get her to come back.
0: Wow. So in August. Maybe yeah. take up, like, a hobby. Like, learn to, like, horseback ride, like, a new way, or, like, but maybe painting. Is,
1: but also, this is one thing. This is one young woman, right? Yeah. Obviously, they still have many slaves to run. And she left her family members back in Mount Vernon, But right? you know
0: what? If my baby escaped a bad situation, I want my baby to stay where they are. You know what exactly. I'm saying? That's exactly. That's exactly what you because want. Despite what
1: people try and tell you nowadays, slavery sucked balls.
0: It turns out.
1: I actually, you know, what we're learning is that it was a lot worse than we actually thought when you learn the details of it. Um, So, yeah. So in August of 1799, two years later, he wrote again to his nephew, Burwall Bassett Jr., requesting his help in capturing, kidnapping, Oni. Right? Okay, Burwall. Burwell went to, Burwell went to New Hampshire and he went, he just showed up at her house to try and convince her. And she's like, "Mm, I'm good. So later he was dining at the house of a senator uh, Mm -hmm. and he, he started talking about the the Oni thing and he basically admitted that he came up with a scheme to kidnap her.
0: Oh, yeah. Love so me some. The senator, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Senator.
1: Again, these are New Hampshire people. They were like, not in my backyard. They helped Oni escape the kidnapping attempt.
0: Yes. Yeah. Because
1: these white people are like uh you think we're on the same side no no we're not on the same side
0: that i will say as a white person you know you get mistaken for being on that side and so yep. sometimes it can be helpful because they will say stupid shit to you and you're like tell me more and then you know things like that yep. you wouldn't know right and then yep. you can be like i hear you but no right and then you can try to fix it best you can so yeah.
1: So, they were still harassing this young woman uh, two years after, like, almost three years after she had escaped. Now... One, the reason why we know a lot of this about Oni Judge is because uh, uh, she, like more than any other slave at Mount Vernon, was interviewed twice by abolitionist newspapers in the mid-1840s. So That's this is fantastic. why we know a lot of this. Uh, now, in case you're wondering, uh, if yes. you're like, well, maybe it was all George. It wasn't Martha. Mm, stop it at. Uh, because according to Martha, quote, the blacks are so hard in their nature that they have not the least gratitude for the kindness that may be showed to them. End quote. Uh, that's a quote from Martha Washington in 1795. This is before Oni escaped.
0: <laughs> I don't want to be like I don't want to be like that white girl who's like, oh my god, I had no idea because like I do, but like wow, she like wrote that shit down. She was not even trying to pretend to hem or ha no she was like i am racist and i'm gonna write this down on this parchment i
1: okay. will and i will say that that is a quote that's from i think it is it's it's either from um mount Vernon. i think it's from mountvernon.org vernon.org it's from that website yeah.
0: so yeah
1: that is a quote that Martha Washington said. Basically, these ungrateful Negroes, I was kind to them. I gave them food. Uh, so <laughs> now, one, by all accounts, Martha was furious that Oni had escaped.
0: That makes me uh, happy.
1: I'm
0: and after that quote, you're I like, yeah, I bet she was. Now, yeah.
1: now, what's even crazier is that while they were continuing to harass this young woman, George was obviously battling an illness because he died on December 14th, 1799. So he sent his nephew to harass Oni in August of that year. And he died that same year.
0: So like on his deathbed, one of the last actions of our first president was to capture an ungrateful slave. Yeah, I'm not going to say it. You can <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh and that so, was you know, like as the first president of these here United States, get her. Like motherfucker. I can't with him. Yeah. I can't with her either. But like can't so, with either of
1: them. Yeah. This is this is but see, black people have always known that. This is a lot of white people.
0: Now, she Listen, was what, what, what I have known is that he could have freed his slaves and has not. And so I have been battling my children's education since they were in kindergarten. Ah, drawing pictures, you know, of President's Day. So we have George Washington and we have Abraham Lincoln. And those are the two presidents. And I'm like, you can keep Abraham Lincoln still problematic, like a little, but we can. I will let you have him. But I will not. Sit here and tell you will not think that he was a good man. He was a time and place. He instilled some things that I think are positive for our country, but no, he owns and that's what I tell my kids. He owned slaves and he could have freed them upon his death, and he chose not to.
1: Well, I think I, that gets get the point across. That. It's interesting oh. you say that. Oh, because, did he am I right about um,
0: that? <laughs> I might be well, wrong. That's what I thought. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, he died. And now I will say that his, a lot of historians will argue that, oh, he really was against slavery and he was for the eventual abolition. Um, but but I kind of wonder if that was like a PR kind of take. But yeah, behind closed doors, that. because he and Martha were well matched. So I would imagine if she had this attitude, his was very similar as well. Yeah. And yes, it's a time and a place and, and slavery was legal. Um, but, you know, there's different people. So I'll get to that. So I'm almost finished. But, uh, so he died in, uh, on December 14th, 1799. By all accounts, Martha was devastated. Okay. She was so grief stricken. She couldn't even attend the funeral. That's how devastated wow. she was. Okay. Um, so now again, remember the majority of their slaves came from Martha's first husband, Daniel Park Custis. So yes. upon George's death, He actually did free his slaves. Oh, but but it was only about probably because remember, he was uh, given slaves from his father's estate. Ten. So let's say I don't know how many he had. I didn't look it up because this is about her story. So let's say he had twenty five, fifty people that he owned. So he actually freed his slaves. But at this point. The majority of the slave labor still at Mount Vernon are the ones from Custis yeah. that are technically are technically being loaned to Martha. Right. Right. So um, now he actually I would say this. He mandated that certain slaves would be free upon Martha's death. So let me let me let me rephrase that. Okay. So All he right. freed his slaves upon Martha's death, his slaves. Right now. So it could be
0: 25 more years before she dies. But okay.
1: Now, this may seem like a good idea, but uh, not really, because as the astute and lovely Abigail Adams, the second first lady of the U.S. uh, said to her, (laughs) said (laughs) to Martha, there's not really much of a reason for slaves to keep you alive uh, because their freedom is dependent upon your death. So oh,
0: right, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Abigail. <laughs> Way to phrase. Way to meet her where she is at. Good job, girl. Yes. Good job. Good job. So, a, about a year
1: later, in December of eighteen hundred, Martha signed a deed of manumission for her deceased husband's slaves. A transaction yeah, that was recorded. Girl. Yeah, in Fairfax County. Mm-hmm. Virginia and it would become they would become free basically the day after so January 1st 1801 because Abigail's like oh Mm, okay how you feeling lately uh
0: your how's your soup does it go down easily or yeah
1: hmm. yeah so about a year and a half later after that and after an illness of several weeks she actually died on May 22nd 1802 and was buried at Mount Vernon next to George Washington. She was 70 years old. Um, Now, uh, final wrap up her legacy again, as a black person, this is the reality of living of being a black American person uh, who are descendant of uh, enslaved labor here in the United States. This is something that we, it's not that we've made peace with it, but we know that this is a reality. Oftentimes the white people who are celebrated in history and American history and glorified as all this, we're like, "Ah." (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Which is why when it comes to politics, we have shrewdly black um, voters shrewdly are like, yeah, both of the parties have some racial issues, but one party is like actively trying to take black people to 1850 like there's one party right. maybe yeah. they don't do enough as much as you want them to do but at least they've come al- they've come around and they generally uh have uh um, um laws and beliefs and things that they want to accomplish that help the majority of americans including black people and then there's right. the other party who are like we don't want to, the niggers to even be able to 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 walk down the street and not be tased by the cops. It's just like, come on, guys. Like, uh, yeah. like we don't, like, and they want to deny that slavery ever existed. They want to deny all the stuff I just told you about Oni Judge. They want to uh deny all of that. Whereas the other side is like, yeah, we're going to have to admit. I mean, reality's reality is uh, reality. Right. Yeah. So that's all we're saying. So the reality of most black voters in the United States is that, yeah, we're not going to get everything we want. Uh, duh. <laughs> because because that that
0: that doesn't exist that doesn't exist the more the more you know about american history the idea of only voting to get exactly what you want personally is ridiculous because it's insane well it's just not
1: i mean because it was founded you know slavery and racism is not a bug it's a feature of united states yeah so we're trying to make amends we're trying to bend towards justice we're trying to do all of that while also there's a strong element within the foundation of america that's like nope (laughs) like it was fine just the way it was
0: (laughs) right right and that's why when people are like no 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 our founding fathers and our constitution and blah 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 i'm like well it it, what he I don't know why you keep acting like it was perfect, that it was biblical, that it was, it wasn't, it was so very flawed.
1: Yeah. And it's like like we, and as a black person, that's something that we have to accept. For instance, Martha Washington was a fabulous first lady. She was a fabulous first lady. Yeah. She was a fabulous first lady in the sense that what white wealthy women represented uh, how she opened up the white house to the public and all of this other stuff she was a, a, a wonderful uh diplomat for the white house for this new american government she was also problematic as fuck <laughs> she was also yeah one of those go. white <laughs> ladies one of those karens who are like um you should be grateful that we treat you that we didn't beat you Ooh. every day uh and it's like but she kind of sounds like you probably would have because i don't know i don't know that much about mount vernon history i just know um i didn't go into the details of like because there there is research out there you guys can definitely look it up of like what the day-to-day activities and experience was for the enslaved at mount vernon and it ain't great uh yeah. these because it's always the people who really didn't earn their wealth who look down on other people who don't have it, right? It's always the people oh, who yeah. oh, they inherited yeah. as well from Daniel, basically.
0: Like, yeah, they got, they like, they earned absolutely nothing. George Washington earned votes to become president, but honestly. Yeah, it doesn't
1: mean, it doesn't mean he wasn't a good else. soldier. It doesn't no. mean that we are glad that we're not all speaking British. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean that we aren't all, uh, proud to be Americans, but Let's just be realistic about American history, because, again, yes. yeah. I think that Martha Washington was an excellent first first lady. Some of the things that began with her that continued throughout um, that has continued throughout our history is that she started the tradition of advising successors. So welcoming oh. in the new first lady and giving her advice and being available to her. Uh, that's a very gracious thing. She was prominent in the ceremonial aspects of the presidency, assisting her husband as uh, his role as head of state, but she also had very little public involvement. So she sort of set that precedent. So some of our like most famous first ladies, Jackie O like are in the image that Martha Washington set of being, right. you know, supportive of your husband, being elegant, hosting, you know, balls and being a gracious host to visiting people. To, to people I like that you can find
0: her, her positive. I'm, I'm impressed actually Honestly, because she also tried to track down a slave and called her ungrateful, which is like, you know, I mean, again, people are complicated, but right. This is what being black
1: in America is all about, because the reality is, is that this is also my history. I'm an American. Yeah, this is my history. And this is all we're saying. We just want you to know both all of the aspects of these people. I don't think when people are like, oh, it's complicated. I'm like, no, they were just bigots and they own slaves but it doesn't mean yeah. that they weren't good it doesn't mean he wasn't a good president for right the majority of free white people it doesn't mean that, you know that <laughs> but it's like
0: but you have to but what we have to do is be able to say that he was right. a good president for the majority of white people landowning white people right and he and he was and they set up this country to to you know Exactly, Run, he, like they the, set it up.
1: After breaking away from England, they set it up. So but here's the, he was
0: successful thing that in that sense. I always say is that like, again, nothing is inevitable, right? Right. So what right. if they abolished slavery at the beginning right. of this country? What if he said, I will not be, I know you love me, but this is terrible. And enough people stood up and fought the South and said, you know what? What we'll do is we'll do a system where we slowly free them right? Some kind of system where we start with paying them a little. We start with making sure that they don't live in squalor and that they are not abused. Okay. Like it's not even that hard or out of the realm of possibility just didn't happen. It
1: it was because again, when they go to Philadelphia, yeah. And they encounter the law because basically he wrote and he was like, I'm the president. I shouldn't have to <laughs> adhere to the law. Right. And he was advised that mm, that's, not, that, a look, that, that's wait, not a good look, player. That's not a good look.
0: Wait, I'm the president, I shouldn't have to adhere to the law. Does that sound does that sound familiar? Oh. I'm so
1: But he listened to his advisors because his advisors are like, nah, player, you can't nope. No, nope, yeah. you cannot. This is not a monarch. Because, again, they're coming off of right. the tyranny not a of King George, right? Exactly.
0: Right, right, right. So, right.
1: so it's, sometimes you have to use people's... Uh, so that's like a weakness of his, that he cares about public image. That's the only reason they weren't successful at kidnapping Oni. Because then mean, they tried.
0: And, you know, that's good. I mean, listen, I'm not fighting for the monarchy. But right. I am saying that we... While there is one, yes, we don't have a monarchy. Yes, that president had to follow the law. Good. Not very common in Western civilization to see that at that time. But no, we could have done better. Like, stop saying that that slavery was inevitable. And that's the only way our country could have been. Because, like, I'm tired of hearing that. It's just not true. Me
1: too. But, I mean, I thought, I think she's a fabulous woman, especially to kick off our um, third season. Uh, It is. It's not complicated. It's just reality it's just people it's just human beings
0: yeah it's just people uh, like that.
1: who are selfish uh you know uh self-centered and they can it doesn't mean they can't also do good things in other ways so yeah, uh, yeah. that is my notorious woman martha washington so
0: amazing all right levetta <laughs> yes Leveta. yes you ready for mine i'm ready okay i'm gonna like Power through her early years to get okay. to, like, what I'd like to talk about. Have okay. you ever heard of a woman named Mother Teresa?
1: Yes, I have. Of
0: course I have, mm. Mother Teresa. She's who I'm going to talk about today. righty then. Let's uh, go, baby. Yeah, today is a good day. Okay. Yes. So, she was born... I cannot pronounce... I, I don't know in Skopje in the Ottoman Empire August 26th 1910 um, Oh. another word another way she was seen before she be mother teresa was mary teresa mm, but but i listen it'll be it'll be on our instagram where you can see how it's spelled <laughs> is it turkish or i think so okay, okay. albanian maybe oh maybe um so um, she was the youngest child of Nicole and Dranophile, that last name. I'm not going to butcher it. Her father died when she was eight, when she was uh, very young, she became fascinated by stories of the lives of missionaries and their service in Bengal by 12, she was convinced she should commit herself to religious life.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: at 18, 1928, she left home to join the sisters of Loreto in Loreto Abbey in Rothfarnum, Ireland to learn English with the intent of becoming a missionary. So English was the language of uh, the Sisters of Laredo in India. And she left at 18. She never saw her mother or her sister again. Um, Oh, wow. So Mm -hmm. she arrived in India in 1929. She she began her novitiate in Darjeeling in the lower Himalayas. See, I thought she was Indian. No, she's not. I know i thought so too isn't that mm-hmm. isn't it interesting so she she learned bengali so she ended up speaking like five languages um she taught at saint Teresa's school near her convent and took her first religious vows may 24th 1931. she wanted to be named after therese de Lissier, who was the patron saint of missionaries Um, But there was a nun there who already had that name. So she went with the Spanish spelling. So it was T-H-E-R-E-S-E. But then she became Mother Teresa without the H.
1: Oh, okay. Gotcha. Right.
0: So she took her solemn vows on May 14th, 1937, when she was a teacher at the convent school um, in Entele, eastern Calcutta. And she was called Mother because that was the Laredo custom. That's oh, every. Okay. It wasn't. Okay. It was like a different thing, I guess, than than we know of. I think. Uh, she served there almost twenty years and was appointed its headmistress in nineteen forty four. So she loved teaching at the school, but she was very bothered by the poverty that was surrounding her in Calcutta. There mm. was a famine in Bengal in nineteen forty three, which brought, you know, misery and death. Um, and then there was, a, there was August 1946, called Direct Action Day, began a period of Muslim-Hindu violence. So, obviously, the poor of that area suffered the most. Right. Uh, September 10th, 1946, she experienced what she later described as, quote, the call within the call. So she was traveling by train to the Loretto convent in Darjeeling from Calcutta for her annual retreat. Quote, I was to leave the convent and help the poor while living among them. It was an order. To fail would have been to break the faith. So that's what came to her on that train, that she was like, I can't stay at this convent anymore. I have to go help these people. So she began her missionary work with the poor in 1948. She adopted Indian citizenship. Um, and spent several months in Patna to receive basic medical training at Holy Family Hospital, and then she ventured into the slums. She founded a school in Moti Moti-Gil Calcutta, uh, before she began tending to the poor and the hungry. At the beginning okay. of 1949, uh, she was joined in her effort by a group of young women, um, and she laid the which laid the foundation for a new religious community, helping quote, the poorest among the poor. So her efforts quickly caught the attention of Indian officials, including the prime minister. Uh, she talks in, she writes in her diary that the first year was fraught with difficulty, that she had no income. She begged for food supplies. She felt a lot of doubt and was very lonely. Uh, in 1950. She founded the Missionaries of Charity, which was a diocesan dio-s, congregation. I'm Jewish. I, I, I probably said that wrong. And I like, hashtag not historians. I'm not like 100% like what that means. But it was a type of congregation. Cool. And uh, she chose a white sari with two blue borders as the order's habit. And if you've seen pictures of her, that's what she's wearing oh okay okay you know right um and then she received permission from the vatican to do this um so this is what we have all been told right this is what we know of her as she in 1952 opened her first hospice with the help of calcutta officials um she created the Caligate home for the dying free for the poor and she renamed it calligate the home of the pure heart Uh, she, those she brought to the home received medical attention and the opportunity to die with dignity in accordance with their faith, right? So Muslims read the Quran, Hindus received water from the Ganges, Catholics, uh, received extreme unction, uh, quote, a beautiful death is for people who lived like animals to die like angels, loved and wanted. Okay. So she also opened a hospice for those with leprosy, uh calling it Shanti Nagar, which meant City of Peace. Um, and they established a leprosy outreach clinic, like several of them throughout Calcutta, providing medication, dressings, and food. Uh, they took in an increasing number of homeless children. Um, and then eventually in 1955, Uh, Created a a haven for orphans and homeless youth called the Children's Home of the Immaculate Heart. Mm -hmm. So, this began to attract recruits and donations. And by the 1960s, it had opened hospices, orphanages, and leper houses throughout India. She then expanded, right? This is how we know her her congregation abroad, right? There's a house in Venezuela. uh, Italy, t- Tanzania, and Austria. And in the 70s, she opened houses and foundations in the United States and dozens of countries in Asia, Africa, and Europe. Um, there's like more, there's also the missionary brothers. It's a lot. So um, in the couple of other things that she I mean, there is a lot she did. Um, she had AIDS hospices charity centers worldwide she cared for refugees uh the blind disabled all the things you think about when you think about mother teresa right Uh, another thing during the siege of beirut in 1982 she rescued 37 children that were trapped in a frontline hospital uh, and she herself brokered a temporary ceasefire between the israeli army and the palestinian guerrillas um oh now, some of her problematic moments came about, Whoa. so she was very Catholic. She didn't believe in abortion or divorce. Right. So Eastern, European, Eastern Europe uh, became more open in the late 80s. So she began lots of projects there, but there was a lot of criticism about her stance against abortion and divorce. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. She went to Albania for the first time in 1991, opening Missionaries of Charity Brothers Home in Tirana. Um, I could just go on. There's also one in the South Bronx in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Um, She received many awards, including the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. Uh, Some Hindus, as I read this, that even today worship her as a deity in Calcutta. So, right? So these are the things. So, this. what are
1: you not telling me?
0: <laughs> okay, you're just like that's not interesting. No, so, i was just like
1: uh, I, I feel I feel like there's like a big unspoken <laughs> but.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, let's just let's just hear what other people have to say. Hmm? Okay. So, a man named Arup Chatterjee was a physician who was born and raised in Calcutta, who was an activist in the city slums for the years around 1980 before moving to the UK. And he said that quote, he never even saw any nuns in those slums. His research involving more than a hundred interviews with volunteers, nuns, and others familiar with the missionaries of charity was described in a 2003 book, which was critical of mother Teresa. She He says that she promoted a quote, cult of suffering, unquote, and a distorted negative image of Calcutta, exaggerating work done by her mission and misusing funds and privileges at her disposal. In particular, yeah, okay. This is... mm.
1: He's spilling the tea, baby. He's spilling the tea.
0: And I'm like, this guy grew up here and, like, walked around there and, like, knows the area. Right? He's not, like, some outsider. He's like, I'm in medicine, too. And you did none of this. Uh, He had heard... Yeah. Yeah. He heard stories of the lack of basic hygiene, the absence of any pain medication, and the frequent reuse of hypodermic needles.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no,
0: no. So the book, which was originally titled Mother Teresa, The Final Verdict, says that in addition to the hours of interviews, um, he says about his journey to find this quote. I started in pre-internet days and I spent months in libraries in London. I also traveled the world researching it. I followed slum dwellers, beggars, destitute children with a video camera. I interviewed hundreds of people. I stood with video camera outside Teresa's home for hours. Um, After mother Teresa, I'll just cut to it. She died in 1997. I'll talk more about that later. Uh, A lot of those issues, the hygiene issues, improved after she died so because what is is up with
1: people with bad hygiene especially and especially religious people because there's a part of them that's like well god will protect me from it's like no god gave you science
0: to know when something when you should clean your ass people just Mm -hmm. wash Mm -hmm. your hands that's all science wash your hands it took us like a long time to figure out to wash your hands so like let's do that now like now we know Yeah. Right. Now we know. Um, well, there's something. Remember, she she's religious before she's anything. Yeah, right? that's what I mean.
1: Like they they think if yeah. they pray about her hard enough. But it's like God also gives you. It's that parable of like you're lost at sea and you're like God's gonna uh, rescue me and then a ship comes by and you're like no I'm waiting on God to rescue me and it's like, yeah, like a helicopter comes it. by and you're like well you just gonna be waiting. <laughs> to God has to sent like four Ooh. five people <laughs> to get you. <laughs> You just want to be shark bait. That's what you want. Stupid. I know. By the way.
0: I mean, because there is, there's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, and I, and I'm not, I'm definitely not knocking religion, but I am knocking people's interpretation of well, religion. Well, you're knocking
1: when people are just not using common damn sense.
0: It's and, like. And the idea that poverty get, brings them closer to God's suffering brings them closer to yeah. god and i'm giving all of these suffering people to god so i am closer oh, to god because yeah. of that yeah so that's like fucked up yeah um so Bikash ranjan Bhattacharya, who's the mayor of calcutta from 2005 to 2010 said quote she had no significant impact on the poor of the city
1: damn
0: End quote. She also says, but not in a quote, that she glorified illness instead of treating it and misrepresented Mm. the city. New quote. No doubt there was poverty in Calcutta, but it was never a city of lepers and beggars as Mother Teresa presented it. So Uh. there's also, you know, because Christians and Hindus and no one likes to get along, everyone likes to fight, so there was clashing with her, and so that, that's important to know. So the, on the Hindu right, the Bharatiya Janata party clashed with Mother Teresa over the Christian Dalits, although they did praise her in her death, and they sent a representative to her funeral. Um, so Secretary Giriraj Kishore said, quote, Her first duty was to the church and social service was incidental. Uh, And he accused her of favoring Christians and conducting secret baptisms of the dying. Um, And then of course, Indian fortnightly frontline, which is a magazine or a, a newspaper dismissed those charges as patently false. So it wasn't, she wasn't fully necessarily fully embraced in there. Um,
1: Well, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of that, like, um, it's sort of like people want to, it's like performative care, right? Like, look at me, I'm a good person because I'm doing all this stuff. And the people are like, it's not even bad, like, it's bad, but it's not like you're characterizing (laughs) it as like an impossible, um, like she's exaggerating is basically what they, it sounds like they're saying that she allegedly, because we don't get sued. Uh, exaggerated how Alleged. bad Alleged. yeah and so yeah. and they're like also like now knowing that she's not Indian it's like an outsider coming in yes exactly. and being like oh these poor Indian people you're like bitch you're not even
0: <laughs> mm. <Mm-mm. laughs> like, like, can you leave yeah <laughs> yeah um and so this I thought this was interesting because this is a paper by Canadian academics so this is sort of out of they're not involved right so, Serge Larive, Genevieve Chenard, and Carol Seneschal. I mean, I took French once, but I'm so sorry. Sure. Um, <laughs> I know, right? That I'm like so French. Good. I'm like, parlez vous français? Oh, wow. That hurt a little. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they say that her clinics received millions of dollars in donations, but lacked medical care. Systematic diagnosis, necessary nutrition, and sufficient anal and analges- just at like things to numb the pain and now I can't say it. Analgesics and anal- on that sorry things to numb the pain. For yeah. people who were in pain. Um, and in the opinion of the three academics, quote, Mother Teresa believed that the sick must suffer like Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. Anal- oh, see quote.
1: there it is. There it is.
0: Um, yes. And it was said that the additional money might have transformed the health of the city's poor by creating advanced palliative care facilities. And that was the thing that always threw me. It was like, how are we not better? Like if you throw right. in a really good hospital in the middle of an area that is that is you know poor and doesn't have enough hygiene and enough things, you know, then then you will improve life. yeah, you if will. you put
1: yeah, if you put a hospital that's well funded,
0: Yes. Why isn't
1: yes. there some improvement happening?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of Mother Teresa's most outspoken critics was English journalist and anti-theist Christopher H- Hitchens. Do you know Christopher Hitchens?
1: No, I'm not familiar. That sounds he's, familiar, but that sounds like
0: a... I mean, he's a very atheist person. Um, okay. he's He's... I like him. He's controversial, and I don't like everything about him. But so he said... Because he, st- he he researched a lot of this, too, and his, wrote an article in 2003 and said, quote, This returns us to the medieval corruption of the church, which sold indulgences to the rich while preaching hellfire incontinence to the poor. Mother Teresa was not a friend of the poor. She was a friend of poverty. She said that suffering was a gift from God. She spent her life opposing the only known cure for poverty, which is the empowerment of women and the emancipation of them from a livestock version of compulsory reproduction. End mm. quote. Boom. Yeah, boom. But I, you know what?
1: Yo. I don't know how wrong
0: he is, you know? Damn. He called Mother Teresa out. Yeah. Um, and she, there's a quote from her that she says, I'm not a social worker. I don't do it for this reason. I do it for Christ. I do it for the church. Now I know a lot of really like good Christians who, if they do something like in honor of Christ, I'm Jewish. I know that, that sounds weird out of my mouth, but there you go. Um, it's like good stuff for like bettering the world like you know like it's always that
1: Christ is working
0: through me to help like okay I'm Um, just uh, a vessel (laughs) it only works so other people are getting better I'm just saying yeah okay yeah
1: wow this is mind-blowing
0: yeah yeah so she also you know problematically and it's all Uh, alleged 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 um yeah of course she argued in 1994 that the sexual abuse allegations against a jesuit priest donald mcguire were untrue even after he was convicted of sexually molesting multiple children in 2006 she continued to defend him Mm. um in uh hold on yeah. because she was dead so i read that but that oh. makes zero sense i apologize so she did defend him but he was convicted in 2006 oh okay um so she but said. she is 100 percent dead in 2006 so didn't yeah, defend she didn't him. come back from the dead she didn't know <laughs> no. as far as i know listen hashtag not historians right <laughs> hashtag not historians if it happened god tell me let me know oh my god that's hilarious. Um That's so hilarious. in what I think is really interesting, so in nineteen ninety-six, April, she broke her collarbone after falling. Four months Ooh. later she had malaria and heart failure, and she oh. went through heart surgery. Uh, but then her health declined. And then according to Archbishop of Calcutta, Henry Sebastian D'Souza, he ordered a priest to perform an exorcism with her permission when she was first hospitalized with cardiac problems. Because she's, well, he well, thought well, maybe well, she well, was, well, yeah. Well. You mm, cannot. Well. I said An exorcism. What? Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> Let is me bring very up my real. Southern. An exorcism. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> mm hmm. But, I mean, that didn't work. But she uh, died September 5th, 1997. Lulu, she survived for a little bit, you know. So I
1: have heart problems and it must be yeah. a devil. Yeah. Exorcism. What? It does what explain is going on?
0: What in the yeah. tarnation is going on mm. here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. That's what they said, and so they exercised oh, her. Is that how you God. say that? Do you exercise someone? I, I, I think don't so. Know. Is it? Is it? A
1: I don't know. Listen, mm. I don't do exorcism movies. Mm-hmm. Nope. No, nope. No,
0: I don't either. No, I don't either. It's like <laughs> so, I don't believe in any of it, but like nope. maybe it's true. So I'm uh, not. Playing. Yeah. No. Nope. You know, not it's like ghosts. It. Like I think there are no ghosts, but what if I'm wrong? Yeah. I'm not. Hey, I'm not messing hey, with that.
1: You stay right over there, ghost. Don't come over mm-hmm. here. Mm-mm. yeah
0: Mm-mm. I'm wow. not interested in you. Um, she was beatified, beatified, beautified, deified,
1: or no? Be, no. B e
0: a t i f i e d. On beified? October 19th, 2003, and was known by Catholics as blessed. And then she was canonized by Pope Francis, September 4th, 2016 in St. Peter's Square in the Vatican, in Vatican City. Um, See, this is what
1: I mean about, like, we can appreciate the, maybe the work that she has done, but, like, her views on, I mean, the exorcism tells me all I need to know. It sounds like yeah. she's just, I mean, in, in, in real talk, yeah. and, like, you know, honestly and sincerely, uh, sincerely, like, she sounds like a religious zealot. Um, yeah, yeah. But you also need to be a religious zealot to want to travel to other parts of the world and the poorest part of towns. Whatever your you know, your motivation is to help people. So I can appreciate that there's people in the world who want to help people. But then it's like, did she exaggerate (laughs) the help that she was offering?
0: (laughs) Coming from like her point of view, she was probably doing God's work. Right. From her point of view. We know. That these people needed support, they needed emancipation from a patriarchy because these women probably were having baby after baby and not getting the medical um, support they needed because having a these baby is a need, medical situation.
1: You know, so these people needed—they needed birth control, sanitizer, yeah. and alcohol, yeah. and uh, disposable hypodermic needles.
0: Yeah, lots of them. Yes. So that you never have to use one more than once. Yes. Dear God.
1: <sighs> oh.
0: So, oh. Oh. But oh. I can see that from her point of view, where the poor and the suffering are God's chosen, right? Yeah. That she is giving them emotional comfort as they are giving themselves up to God. Right you know i mean i'm i'm fighting here but but it's also
1: uh, but let's be real let's be realistic too let's i mean real talk is like if somebody asks you for um soup right yeah or a dollar to buy soup and you say let's pray about it instead it's like no (laughs) motherfucker Mm -mm. i need soup (laughs)
0: a dollar or soup you a dollar or soup or i'll move on to the next i need god too but i also need some soup yeah like i mean it's missionaries in general can be as can be problematic if anyone has read the poisonwood bible it's spelled out beautifully in that beautiful book um because When, if you want to really help people, you will meet them where they are at.
1: Right, 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 right. And that,
0: that is, yeah, they'll humor you because they're hungry and they need clean water, but it's not as selfless. That's not selfless yeah does that though. make sense and it's okay
1: yeah it's okay like let's say your religious organization um and you're like well we offer free soup if you just come in and hear the sermon right yeah it's that's like, okay that's that's like giving somebody it's like bartering right it's like yeah. uh you know 30 minutes or an hour of their time for a meal most people are yeah. like okay i'll put up with the you know uh but it's like i'm gonna deny you basic stuff um uh, Unless you're not just hear the sermon, but let me, <laughs> like, yeah, like like I have soap over here, and I'm gonna dangle it in front of you, but oh, I'm only gonna give you like I'm gonna wet the soap a little bit, <laughs> and not give you water. Yeah. to it's it's just like the emotional blackmail, uh, yeah, or like you with you you're withholding the soup. Like so, let's say you say okay, you come in and listen to the sermon, and we'll give you a meal. The person listens to the sermon. And you don't give them a meal, or you give them a small piece of bread when you made it seem like it was going to be soup, bread, vegetables, and right, like juice. a real meal, right? Right. Yeah, it's that. It, it, it's mean, that kind of thing.
0: I mean, and and it, like it's funny because that's why I gave different accounts of different people yeah. who analyzed her <sighs> later, because it's it's hard to get a good like focus viewpoint of what she was really doing because she opened so many places i don't know what's happening with those places now to be honest um but there is you know we do have someone saying as soon as she died it became more sanitary
1: yeah and, and and you know and let's to be fair to her legacy also Thank God she opened up all of those. So even when she died and then it became, you know, more clean and, and more helpful. Right. Thank God those places have been established and have been opened up. So right. So that, the infrastructure's I mean, that, there to, yeah, disseminate actual help and aid and stuff. So, uh, um, But again, yeah. co- not, co- not complicated, just uh, real human beings. Both of these yeah. women
0: yeah. are flawed yeah. human
1: beings who also did some good. So
0: Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Happy season three, everybody. I mean,
1: yeah, I know. I mean, I'm not going to call
0: Mother Teresa
1: the B-word because I'm just not. No, I just we can't, can't do
0: that. No, but Martha Washington, that.
1: that's a whole nother story.
0: Yeah, uh, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that about Mother Teresa. Like, You're right. You're wow. Like you said, what a way to start season three. And, mm-hmm. And thank you, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. And hopefully Miriam enjoyed my story on
0: Martha Washington. I mean, I'm exhausted, but yes, it was fascinating. (laughs) I want this movie, by the way, that they will never, ever make. They will never make this movie. Not in this country. Maybe 50 years
1: from now. Yeah. 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 Maybe, yeah. Well, on that note, that wraps it up for another episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Guys, remember to follow us on what? All the things. So All the things. Go to Twitter. Oh, we're not on Twitter, but I, Instagram. Twitter. But wherever you get your uh, podcasts, download us, subscribe to us. Share us uh-huh. with your friends. I yes, believe please. that uh, Eye Catcher is uh, disbanding at the end of August, I believe, but you can still oh. find us in the uh, the Apple Store. Yes, and please leave a five star review. Uh, but also, you can find us on Spotify. Uh, I believe iHeart uh radio podcast uh, it's literally every other one yeah (laughs) yeah everywhere you can find us so please and again we always say this this is easier just copy the link and send it to your friend or loved one instead of just telling them about it so copy the link and send it to them because it's so much easier so much easier yeah and just play yeah that's all they have to do is click on it and be like oh Okay, and then hit subscribe. Uh, And then also, if you'd like to uh, become a patron of our Patreon, we would love that. You can do that at patreon.com slash notoriouswomen. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash notoriouswomen. And Miriam will tell you other ways you can get in touch with us.
0: Yes, we have our Instagram. As Lovina mentioned, it's so easy. It's Notorious Women Podcast. It's a fun, good time. Come follow us. Yep. Come talk yeah. to us there. Uh, we also have an email, which is our uh, notorious wmpod at com. So you can send us any thoughts you have there. You can also DM us. We'll, we'll see that. Yeah. So however you want to talk to us is good with us.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. really interested if you guys have any feedback on both Martha Washington and Mother Teresa. Because wow we
0: i listen if you give us feedback on things we can do special episodes where we go That's back so. and discuss because we i we would totally do that we're, we're super open yes yeah, yeah. we will and
1: uh and until next time until next week bye-bye. bye bye <laughs> produced by audavita studios connect your voice to the world